Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Craig Hemke, founder and editor of TF Metals Report. Craig, let's focus a bit more on silver. Look, we, we have a lot of people that talk about the economy and predictions here and data there, but quite frankly, it hasn't really made too much of a difference for markets, for the metals, especially on the bullish side, unfortunately. So let's focus more on silver, which has been a relatively boring market here. Silver is just hanging out right around let's say 20 to $23, right in the middle of its range for the last about three years. This price is generally higher than we saw in the time period before, let's say 2020, when silver was stuck in the teens, but it's fairly boring, the trade right now. Let's break down the COT report. So the commitment of traders, you take a look at those. Every Friday they are released. They report from the last Tuesday date, breaks down where the speculators are, where the banks are. Craig, what are you seeing in the COT reports for silver? Well, as you mentioned, Corey, and we've been range bound now for uh, three and a half years, basically. And silver has occasionally gotten down below 22 and gotten to 21 or even slightly lower than that back in late 2022. It's been as high as 26, 28, but mainly just kind of going sideways. It frustrates everybody, right? We want some excitement. You know, you could make a bullish case, but I, you know, I think what the commitment of traders does for you is it prevents maybe a bearish case. And what do I mean by that? I, you know, I, anyway, I track this stuff every single day. I watch open interest. You watch open interest go up. You watch it go down. You watch price go up and you go down. And you notice there are obvious trends in general and on balance. In a rising price with rising open interest, okay. You're getting hedge funds and other speculators coming in on the long side, taking the opposite of that trade and making a market are the bank trading desks. So as you're in a bull market and price is rising, open interest is going up. The large speculator and small speculator positions as well are getting increasingly net long. And the banks, the swap dealers, as they're called on, you know, what's a swap? It's a future. It's an option, right? Who deals them? The banks. So when you see swap dealers, we're talking about the bank trading desk. You see them getting increasingly net short. Now, we're all, you know, back when, when silver was doing something, we're all familiar with how this works. You get more and more people on the longs, more and more, and then you get more and more banks on the short side. And then what invariably happens is a trap door opens. We call it the wash, rinse, repeat, the spec wash, you know, whatever. And price plunges, the speculators dump their longs, the banks cover their shorts, and then maybe you begin, you know, moving higher again. Okay, the opposite is also true. When price is going down and open interest is going up, the spec hedge funds are getting short. The banks making a market are opening new contracts and being taken the other side long. And so you get down to the bottoms. We had this happen multiple times in 2023. And we're at one again now where you can look at these reports and you can see that the hedge funds are short and the banks are long. And I don't understand why so many people in silver fail to grasp the meaning of this. Again, we all understand, or at least most people do, that when the funds get heavily long and the banks are heavily short, the trapdoor is going to open and price is going to plunge. Well, the same thing has been shown over and over for the last couple of years that when the funds get short and the banks are long, 
you get these really, really rapid short squeezes. Sometimes they extend 20 and 25%. Sometimes they're just 10 or 15%, but it's something that you can trade really every single time. It's hard to get the timing right, and I missed another one this week. But that's where you get some value out of the commitment of traders report. And one last thing, as you mentioned, Corey, the data for each report is surveyed on Tuesday at the COMEX close. Of course, the CFTC with their army of bean counters, you know, and how many government jobs are added every single month now in the job report, they could crank out your commitment of traders report by noon the next day, but they don't. You get it 74 hours stale on Friday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern. So it's not a trading tool. We can talk about the data for this week. If we'd gotten it on Wednesday, we might have been able to prepare for this big surge and short squeeze today. All we can really do is speculate. And I like to think after all these years of doing what I do, I can at least do some informed speculating on what is going on behind the scenes. Well, Craig, we sure appreciate you <clears throat> reading the tea leaves on the COT report. and pointing out when there's a big imbalance and when the banks have gone long and the funds have gone short, that is the time where we do see the short squeezes. We, I think we saw four or five. We talked about it last year, Craig, different short squeezes that had the exact same setup. We did see a nice pop this week. But if we're dealing in the real here, to Corey's point, silver is still very much still in its range. What do you think has to happen? What kind of a squeeze or pop would really get some momentum going in the silver space? Is there any price levels that you're looking at in particular, Craig? It's all just the same. Unfortunately, Chad, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record. I mean, we've been talking about that price range for three years now. Uh, I wrote about it again in this year's forecast that I wrote back in January. You've got to get above 28 and then start trading, you know, with a number that begins with three to start generating a whole bunch of excitement on the long side from the buyers of COMEX silver contracts. But you can't even talk about 28 until you get through 26. So I, you know, when I wrote that macrocast this year, I said this is, I just, this is going to be tough to get through there because I, everybody was all excited and hyper excited, really, and way expecting way too much from the Fed in terms of rate cuts by the time we got to Christmas last year and that last week of December, when there was talk as many as, many as eight rate cuts this year, and I was like, that's crazy. I mean, it was like a hundred percent certainty that people thought for sure the Fed would be cutting by March, and I'm like. You don't know what they're going to do in March. That's still three months from now. So when I wrote this year, I thought, you know, we'll probably have to, you know, maybe the what the Fed is telling us about no more than three cuts will play out, which means things will be kind of on hold. So I mean, my goal in the short term for this year is just to get through 26, maybe take a stab at 28 and then kind of base for a little while so that we can ultimately go through 28. But till that ever happens and, you know, it will with the next Fed easing cycle, but we've got to be pretty much into it before that happens. And that seems to be keeps getting pushed backward. Craig, back to the COT reports. You've read over these things for years. So have you noticed any changes, any trends in terms of the overall size, the amount of contracts that we are seeing, whether they're growing flat or declining within that COT report? Well, there have been little kind of nuanced things like what's a small speculator and a non-reportable in gold in particular they used to be a very tiny category and then about five or six years ago all of a sudden i mean are parties parking trades there and misrep you know because all of a sudden there's three or four times as much open interest in that category than there used to be which no one ever really has been able to get to the bottom of open interest in gold is incredibly small 
420,000 contracts or something right now. We go back to the peak three, I guess now four years ago, it was 800,000 contracts. So the, the demand for gold price exposure on the COMEX is, I mean, you could make the case it's half of what it's been historically. You look at some of the position sizes, the total gross and net position sizes in gold are maybe half of what we've seen at the peak, I guess, which is in line with some of the open. Like as of last week, what's called, if you look at what we call just largely grouped together or grouped together, what's called the large speculators, hedge funds, you know, institutions and the rest. They were net long, where you take the gross number, subtract uh, the gross number of longs, subtract the gross number of shorts, you get a net number. They're a net long, 162,000 contracts. Sounds like a lot. We can go back, you know, at price peaks back over the last decade, and it's been 300 some odd thousand, 330,000. So there's, that just tells you there's all kinds of room from hedge funds and the like to come in and buy long exposure. And when you do that, price invariably goes up. But for now, that's, you know, there's just no demand for those contracts. Long, I'll just continue with a long answer here. So then you look at silver. Again, silver has been as high as 240, 250,000 contracts several years ago. Right now, it's about 150. It's been as low as 120 lately. But what, again, what we watch for is it, as it pertains to the way the cot works. And again, this very tiny market, right, that we follow so closely we think it's big and important but it's really very tiny what we watch is again that net positioning how many you are gross long versus how many you are gross short and what's your net amount i've seen the large speculator category there 80 90 000 contracts net long when everybody's all excited about silver whether it's 2011 whether it's you know a briefly in 2016 that kind of thing in 2020 Right now, that large speculative category as a whole, 17,000 net long. So again, you think about how much potential buying interest is out in the world that's currently not, you know, that's invested elsewhere. And maybe it'll never come back. Maybe it's just now in Ether and Bitcoin and everything else and no one's ever going to trade. I don't know. But that's how, so when you track overall and open interest, that's what you see. The, one, the main thing I want to get back to, though, and again, I'm sorry for the long answer, is the weekly fluctuations and how if you're bored waiting for a breakout and a long-term trend, you can use this information to your advantage. If you go back, there was a bottom in silver at about the same price. So it hit 2204 on about the 23rd or 4th of January. There was a COT survey on the, I guess it's the 23rd. January, Tuesday, 20, January 23rd, the cot revealed that day that the hedge funds had broken out you know, in their own subcategory. That week leading up to the 23rd, as price was falling, had increased their net shorts by almost 9,000 contracts and price went down. The very next week, price went up 76 cents in the next reporting week as those funds went back and flipped in a total 7,000 net long. So they all got short, a squeeze begins, they cover their shorts, they add longs to a net total of 7,000 contracts. The next week comes, last week, price goes back down by 74 cents, and the funds add net short 8,900 contracts. So, I mean, they're just dead wrong and wrong-footed all the time. And what I can tell you ahead of tomorrow's COT report, which was surveyed on Tuesday, two days ago,
on Tuesday, <laughs> price fell 61 cents that day, and open interest went up 6,000 contracts that day. So you had this huge surge following the CPI, huge new surge of spec shorting, hedge fund shorting. Price got down to $22 shortly thereafter on early Wednesday. And since then, silver's done nothing but go, go straight up. So once again, the hedge funds have been sucked onto the short side and you get these little squeezes like this. I'm sorry it's been such a long answer, but I got to add one more thing. This provides a floor for price. Again, as Shad, you said, we'd, you get these, you've seen it happen now five, six, seven times in the last 18 months. If you get to this point where the funds are short, that means the banks are long. So if the banks are net long at $22, do you really think price is going to 12? Really? The, the banks that we all recognize control this pricing scheme are going to let price go to 12 when they're already net long at 22. So these are things that people need to know as they assess all, you know, in the short term, as we wait for this breakout, maybe have some ways they can do some dip buying, maybe even do some trading. Boy, that was a long answer. That might be a new record for our show here. Well, Craig, I appreciate you having a record long answer on how people can set up some good trades because you're right. While people are waiting, that gives them the ability to trade. But let's deal in the real here. Most people listening are probably not going to be trading futures contracts. But guess what they are trading, Craig? Silver stocks and gold stocks. And as we've yeah. made the point many times, as goes silver price, as goes the precious metals mining stocks. And so it's important yep. from that standpoint, too. People could look at placing trades on the stocks around some of the gyrations in silver. When do you think we are going to see on a maybe a more shorter term basis, a little more interest? I, I, my initial question last time wasn't about the big breakup, but just is there a level around 23 or 24 where you think we get a little more momentum because that would translate into moves in the mining stocks? Yeah, you guys know, and I'm sure you've talked to people all week long about just, I mean, it's just dead money. And man, I don't know if you can only really look back and find a capitulation, you know, with hindsight. We always talk about capitulation in, in terms of price. Uh, and I don't know if we've seen that yet or not. But doesn't it feel like we've hit a capitulation of sentiment? You know, we're just like the only people even interested in talking about the mining shares is like the three of us. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, Newmont could have all this cash flow and they're going to buy a bill or what a barracks going to buy a billion dollars their own stock back. And Newmont's got a 5% dividend and nobody cares, maybe except Stanley Druckenmiller. So maybe we've at least reached a capitulation of sentiment. I, more important, though, as you mentioned, Chad, is a long term correlation between the silver price and the mining shares as measured by the GDX. And so I think if I can make a case that silver's downside from here, I mean, there might be some short-term pokes down, but I mean, it's not going to 12. If the downside is limited, then, then in large part, the downside of the shares is limited too. So you can use that to kind of start picking at them, maybe averaging in a little bit, bring your, your cost basis down if you can if you still believe in a story or two. But again, the shares aren't going to get going until we, you know, again, until there's reason for people to be excited about it. And there's just not going to be reason for people to get excited about it until it's, you know, generating headlines and people see a, a certain number on a chart. And sadly, and as frustrating as it is, we still may be a couple months away from that. Yeah, well, we have seen time and time again a sideways metals price, unfortunately, just doesn't draw a whole lot of investors in. 
And the stocks have continued to sell off. Some of these stocks, even some of the majors, just recently testing 52-week lows and multi-year lows. So maybe sentiment is fully washed out. Who knows what we need to actually turn that sentiment. We've had a lot of people share their opinions on what they think it is. But right now, yeah, all we can do is look at some of these other features of the market and say, well, there are opportunities. They are just sometimes short-term opportunities for trades. Craig, thank you, as always, for your time. We'll chat again next week. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks, guys.